You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Well, everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. It's an exhortation to the church in every age from the lips of the Apostle Peter or from the pen of the Apostle Peter. How do we become pure? How do we purify ourselves? How are saints made? Since we gather on All Saints Sunday, how are saints made? Anybody know what this word saint means? Holy one. See, it's written in your bulletin. I was testing you. No. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it means holy one. It means someone who's holy. So how are people made holy? The church has come up with a lot of answers for this over time. In the early days of the church, when becoming a Christian mostly meant that at some place you were either going to be persecuted or perhaps even martyred, they came to the conclusion that suffering for Christ was the way you were made holy. And even some of the great theologians of the early church sought out martyrdom. They tried to get themselves deliberately in trouble so that someone would kill them on behalf of Jesus. In fact, Tertullian, who was one of the great theologians of that early era, said, um, he said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And these people so wanted to give birth to other people's faith that they went out seeking that martyrdom. Well, the church came to the conclusion that that wasn't a really good way to get holy, was to seek death. Um, so they... They found other ways to pursue holiness. And they said, if persecution comes upon you, then you should suffer justly for Christ's sake. But you shouldn't go seeking it. That's kind of masochistic. We don't want to do that to ourselves. So um, Then Christianity became legal. I talked a little bit about this last week. Christianity became legal. And all of a sudden, it was easy to be a Christian and the church which had kept such hard and fast spiritual disciplines through the persecution got a little lax. And so what happened was is that they, um, they said, well, maybe we need to withdraw from the general assembly of Christians in order to become holy. And so the monastic movement got started and people did all kind of crazy things out in the desert to try and make themselves more holy. They not only fasted and ate locusts and honey like John the Baptist did, but they did things like one guy in particular, I remember, he, he lived on top of what we would think of as a telephone pole for 10 years. People would have to bring his food up to him and stuff like this. He lived up there for 10 years. I'm not sure how this made him holy, but this is what they were pursuing. They were pursuing holiness. They were trying to purify themselves as he is pure. Well... That worked well, I guess, for people who want to go live in the desert, but for people like us, 
who have day-to-day jobs and lived in town. That wasn't such a great way to pursue holiness. So they started finding other things people could do to pursue holiness. If you watched the Luther movie with us last week, there's this one scene in it that's very moving to me at least. You see uh, all these people gathering and they, they pay some money in order to be able to climb the steps of St. Peter's Cathedral on their knees. And uh, every, every step you, you kneel on that hard stone and you say a certain prayer and then you climb up one step and you kneel and you say this prayer again and you keep doing that all the way till you get to the top and then when you get to the top someone says, okay, uh, you're forgiven, they're forgiven, whatever, move along, we've got other people praying. You've spent enough time at prayer. <laughs> Strange things and into that world, well, what, what came out of that was a piety, I should say, that um, the best thing you could do, the most Christian act, the most purifying thing you could ever do was to offer a perfect confession. Exhaustively list every single sin you had ever done to, so that you could be forgiven for it and then die. <laughs> because you didn't want to have, go out and make it, do any more sins, right? After that, after you do your perfect confession. That's the world that a young Augustinian monk was born into named Martin Luther. And he just realized that no matter what he did, all the things, ways in which he tortured himself, all the prayers he offered, all the extra work he did around the monastery, no matter what he did, he knew that although his outside behavior looked holy, his heart was unchanged. He was still angry at his brother monks about X, Y, or Z. He still suffered from this sin or that sin. He knew that his heart had not been changed by all of the practices, and so his spiritual director sent him off to the scriptures to become become a professor of the scriptures. And in the scriptures, he discovered while reading the book of Habakkuk that the righteous shall live, oh, not by works, but by faith. And that that let him feel free and not like he was working hard against the burden that laid upon him by an unjust and demanding God. And as he kept going back to the scriptures and kept studying them, what he started to notice was that St. Paul in particular, when he wrote a letter to a church just like ours, and all of those wonderful books in the New Testament were written to congregations just like the one that you're sitting in now. Whether he was writing to the Romans to the church at Corinth, to Philippi, to Galatia, to Ephesus, you name it, no matter who he was writing to, he called them saints. Even when he was going to, well, kind of dress them down a little bit. In fact, the last lecture series Luther did in his life was on the book of Galatians. And if you read the book of Galatians, St. Paul is giving the smackdown to the Galatian church. They've done nothing right as far as he is concerned. But he still calls them the holy ones, the saints. How do you make a saint? I guess you make a saint the way you make a Christian. Maybe it's only the one who is holy alone can, by his touch upon a person, upon an object, whatever, maybe it's only God who can make something holy. And maybe it's not even in our power to do that. In fact, as you read the New Testament, that is certainly the case. 
It is only the touch of God that can make someone holy, and it's not our efforts. Because the law, any law, any rule, can change your behavior. Right? How many of you drive the speed limit? Oh, you're honest. I love this. Okay, how many of you... When you, how many of you drive the speed limit when you see a cop car at the side of the road? Okay? The law can change our behavior, but it can't change our hearts. Only the love of God, only love can change a person's heart, and only the love of God given in Jesus Christ can change us into holy people. Yes, the Apostle Peter said, we purify ourselves as he is pure. But did you notice how he started the passage? See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. We are made children of God when the Lord touches us with His love and no place does He touch us more deeply and closely than right here at the font of baptism where in Romans 6 it says we are united with Jesus Christ in His death so that we can be raised up in a resurrection like His. Here... We are touched by God, and not just touched, we're united with God in Jesus Christ. The touch doesn't get any closer than that, folks. So that, as Luther said in his famous passage called The Happy Exchange, so that what is His is mine, and what is mine is His, so that all of my sin is Christ's, and all of His righteousness and holiness is mine. We got these name tags on today. And I talked with the kids about how um, you know we're wearing white because it symbolizes the covering that we all have. Really, what this symbolizes is that when someone looks at me, they don't see Pastor Brett or PBJ. They see Jesus. What God sees when he looks at us is the righteousness of Christ that is not our own. We are holy because He has claimed us and declared us to be holy. We are saints. You say, okay, pastor, sounds nice. But I've met a lot of Christians who aren't very saintly. Some days, I am a Christian who's not very saintly. What about that? What about purifying ourselves as He is pure? Well, have you noticed? Have you noticed? That all the classic Christian spiritual disciplines are mostly about getting something out of our lives so the Holy Spirit has a little more space to work so we have time and attention to pay to the work that the Spirit has already claimed us to do in our lives. Whether it's fasting, where we're giving up food, whether it's a commitment of prayer where we're giving up time every day, whether it's almsgiving where we're letting go of our grasping at material security and trusting God for what we need, we're making a little more space in our lives so the Holy Spirit can work within us and we can be transformed more and more into the likeness 
of the one who's already given us his righteousness. The righteousness is a gift, and it's something we grow into as we, in that famous passage, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And there's a wonderful Chinese story I heard that illustrates the point beautifully. There was a man in town who uh, was quite rich and quite handsome and quite miserable. He owned most of the town. Everyone else paid rent to him. And yet he noticed that no matter that he had everything that life said you needed to have, he noticed that everyone else seemed happier than him. (laughs) All the people who were paying him rent were happier than he was. And he was confused by this. So he did what people did in that culture. He went up the mountain and visited a wise man. And the wise man said to him, says, well, explain your situation. The guy told him, he said, well, who is the happiest of all? And he goes, oh, the children. They drive me nuts. They're always singing. They're always playing. They're always kicking something around. It's noise, 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 noise. I can't stand it. The wise man pulled out a mask. And on that mask was a smiling, beautiful face. And he said, he gave it to the man, he said, I want you to wear this mask. And I want you to go down that mountain. And I want you to become a preschool teacher. You're going to spend all your time with those children. You're going to do everything that they do. Well, the children don't like me. That's why you have the mask. I want you to go down. I want you to. You're going to play games with them. You're going to sing songs with them. You're going to just do whatever they do for a while. All right, if you say so. And that's what he did. He went down the mountain and he became the, the teacher. And after several weeks, months, years, whatever time it was, he he felt he needed to go back, and he found himself changing. He found himself happy and joyful. And so he went back up the mountain to tell his story to the wise men. Said, "You were right." I'm, I'm full of happiness. I sing these silly songs with the kids and I have a good time and we make a lot of noise and we play games and it's wonderful. And, and I find when I'm done working with the children that I'm walking home and I'm talking to people and they're greeting me and they're happy to see me. And Wiseman says, that is wonderful. I need my mask back. But, but I can't give you my mask. Well, I need it back. Someone else needs it now. No, 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 no. If I give you the mask, I'm going to lose all the happiness I've found. Just give me the mask. And lo, when he took the mask off, he found that his face had been conformed to the shape of the mask. And his own face bore the smile that had first belonged to it. And it is just like that in our Christian life. Christ gives us His righteousness and then bears with us in our mistakes as we learn to love His righteousness and learn to live as He lives and learn little by little to be shaped into His likeness. Yes, we are simultaneously saint and sinner, but through His grace we are becoming more and more saintly every day. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we we receive from you a gift beyond measure. When we receive your Son, 
when we are united with Him in holy baptism. And Lord, we ask that whatever is in our lives that is distracting us from His work through the power of the Holy Spirit that's keeping us from becoming more and more like Him, that You would eliminate those things from our lives. That You would push them aside. That You would help us to let them go so that we may be purified as He is pure. What love You have for us that You should call us Your children. Help us, O Lord, to live into that reality. Let us be blessed, as Jesus said over and over in today's reading. We ask this through Him, who is forever Your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Be Thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my life.